0: Hey guys, it's Steve Baker, TPC here. Wow, what a weekend we have had. It all kicked off here in North Carolina with our dear leader, Corona Fuhrer Cooper's announcement that he was lifting our statewide mask mandate and also removing all capacity restrictions on all types of venues, bars, restaurants, entertainment and sports facilities, literally everything. Uh, It was a surprise, (laughs) and especially considering his heavy-handed, tyrannical approach over the course of this pandemic. Uh, This was not just a welcome, long overdue event, but quite unexpected, and I have a lot of questions, especially about why and why now. I'll get to those questions and my analysis in a few minutes, but let's first review all the circumstances leading up to Governor Cooper's announcement this past Friday. Actually, about 18 states have now announced they'll be rescinding mask and lockdown orders in the coming weeks. This was all in response to the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky's announcement last week. Here's here's exactly what she said. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. Now, obviously, hers was not a blanket reversal of previous CDC guidelines as it came with the expected caveat. You heard her words, anyone who is fully vaccinated. That's the key phrase. Basically, what she said was, we, the unvaccinated you know the the great unwashed are still sol how you know the, the country at the federal level the states and private businesses plan to administrate these vaccine protocols still remains to be seen there is as yet no national vaccine passport and Even though many businesses and universities already have announced that they will prohibit the great unwashed or unvaccinated from admission or participation in normal life, others will be reopening to some level of normalcy on nothing more than just, right now, an honor system of sorts. I suppose this means until they have a way of monitoring, tracking, and validating vaccine compliance amongst their customers, employees, and students, Or will this whole passport concept simply go away as the country surges toward, you know, normalcy again? And obviously because cases, hospitalizations, and death rates continue to fall. As I said, I have questions and I have lots of them. And I also made some interesting observations over this past weekend as I traveled to Virginia for a show with one of my bands on Saturday, which I will also get to shortly. Meanwhile, New Jersey and Hawaii joined a few other states saying they're not ready to relax requirements for their citizens, saying it will be several more weeks before they'll even consider the latest CDC relaxation of guidelines. Hawaii's governor, uh, David Egate, he said, and I quote, we are unable to determine who is vaccinated and who is not vaccinated. The best mitigation measure is for everyone to wear a mask. In other words, they're working on that passport. Show me your papers thingy down there in Hawaii. I'm sure glad I got that state off my bucket list over 30 years ago. Uh, as a quick aside, I actually have visited every U.S. state except for Alaska. Anyone out there ready to host a TPC meetup in Alaska? Let me know. I'm thinking about something along the lines of, you know, a part meetup and a part... Kodiak hunting trip that's another of my own lifelong bucket list items I've always dreamed of you possibly facing a Kodiak bear with nothing more than a handgun might be one of those things to keep last on my bucket list for obvious reasons uh, you can you can add your comments about that little measure of insanity below I'll be interested in hearing those so back to the news Trader Joe's Walmart and Costco have all announced that they will not require customers who are fully vaccinated to wear a mask. But none of these retailers will require any kind of proof of vaccination. I guess we're at least temporarily on some sort of honor system. Other retailers like Starbucks, Target, CVS, and Kroger have announced that they're keeping their mask requirements in place for the time being. Now, some of these announcements actually made me laugh when I heard of them. I, I've, I've not worn a mask inside a single grocery store since the beginning of this entire mess. Uh, we have a local uh, chain grocer here called Harris Teeter in North Carolina, which is actually owned by Kroger. No one at Harris Teeter has ever stopped me from entering without a mask, and I've done so on dozens of occasions in the last 14 months. Also, no one has ever given me one second of grief for being barefaced in their stores. I even went to a Harris Teeter yesterday, and while 95% of the shoppers there were still wearing their masks of servitude, the store staff couldn't have been more friendly and accommodating to me. The The butcher greeted me as friendly as he could possibly be. He helped me with my meat selections, and then afterwards he wished me a great evening, just as they always have treated me and my little small acts of civil disobedience over the past 14 months. In fact, in hindsight, I'd say that Harris Teeter's staff has been actually more friendly and more accommodating to me these past 14 months than in any of the previous decades in which I've shopped there. I actually think that their response to me and others like me not wearing masks is probably a company policy. I've experienced the same response at Walmart, Sam's Club, Publix and most other stores that allowed me entrance without a mask and that's despite their stated requirements and door signs. All those stores that have denied me entrance, on the other hand, I've just simply turned and left without complaint or comment. It's their store, they're right, correct? I simply just took my money elsewhere without complaint. Last year, Costco announced their national mask requirement even before our governor's statewide mandate, so I never bothered to test them at their front door. Last May, exactly a year ago, I uh, allowed my Costco membership to expire. But now, I may actually go back. There are quite a few items there at Costco, I have to admit. uh, Items they carry that I've missed over the last year, so it'll it'll be nice to uh, add those back to my uh, normal routine. Unfortunately, several businesses are now making moves to require their workforce to be vaccinated. Delta Airlines, for example, announced on Friday that new employees who join the company will be required to be vaccinated for COVID-19. Current employees of Delta will not be required, but what jobs they can work might be limited, especially those working international flights where those countries will surely have vaccination requirements. Back in January of this year, you might remember that United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby said he thought all companies should make vaccines mandatory for employees. Here's what he said, and I quote. I think the right thing to do is for United Airlines and for other companies to require the vaccines and to make them mandatory. I don't think United will get away with and can realistically be the only company that requires vaccines and makes them mandatory. We need some others. We need some others to show leadership. So, there you go. Masks, as we know, are still required in uh, all airplanes, buses, and trains nationwide, and there's no timelines as yet even mentioned on when those orders might be rescinded. So, to my first question, it doesn't appear this passport idea is simply going to go away, but we'll see. Saturday morning was my first opportunity to publicly observe how North Carolina citizens are responding to governor Cooper's new announcement before heading to the location where my band meets to load up our van and trailer for our trip to Virginia beach. My son who plays bass guitar in this particular band, he wanted to make a stop at Starbucks. Great. Good idea. Get a little coffee before the road uh, at this particular Starbucks location. They had no drive-through service. So I asked him, I said, uh, Do you think that they'll require us to wear masks? He said, let's find out. So unmasked, uh, we opened the door to the Starbucks, and immediately I saw two women with their faces uncovered inside. Wow. So we entered, and no one said a word to us. They greeted us as normal human beings, and they took our orders without any problems. This despite the fact that Starbucks nationally has not rescinded their corporate masking policy. The music store where we meet and load up for our band Road Trips shares a parking lot with an Ace Hardware store. We arrived an hour before the scheduled departure, so I had the opportunity to observe all the customers that were entering the hardware store. 100% of those getting out of their cars either already had a mask on or they donned them in the parking lot in their walk toward the store's doorway. 100% over that hour that I watched. Interestingly, over half of those entering the store were older people and most assuredly have had the vaccine. I have no idea what Ace Hardware's corporate policy is, but no one seemed willing to test the governor's mask rescission in you know, this particular case. The programming and the fear factor seems to remain high with that particular demographic. On our journey to Virginia, we made uh, an inordinate number of stops on the way to top off the gasoline in the van uh, wherever we could find stations or truck stops that had fuel. As you're probably aware, North Carolina was the hardest hit by the Colonial Pipeline ransomware hack with more than 75% of our stations out of fuel this past week, so we weren't leaving anything to chance. At those stops, I witnessed large-scale mask-wearing still, yet... I also noticed that more than the usual number of un- unmasked customers were going about their day. So it was a small glimmer of hope. The message might be getting out slowly, but surely. When we arrived at the beach resort area in Virginia known as Sandbridge, it's a community just outside of Virginia Beach, we were playing at a private home under a tented area right on the beachfront. This particular gig was originally scheduled last year on May 8th of 2020. It was originally scheduled to be the 50th birthday party for the buyer's wife. Fortunately, they decided to rebook this engagement one year later for her 51st birthday celebration. Not quite the same thing, but uh, I'm glad they kept it on the schedule. This show was uh, with my yacht rock band, Captain in the Keels. If you don't know what yacht rock is, look it up. And believe me, these people came ready to party. Uh, There were 120 guests invited. It was a big catered affair with an open bar. All the women were wearing captain's hats and most in nautical attire, and there wasn't a mask in sight. It was glorious. There was also a lot of pent-up demand to let loose, and boy, did they ever. It was was quite wild. Women were coming up on stage with us and taking the mics out of our hands and singing to the top of their lungs, drunk and off-key. This is something <laughs> that I had never allowed in normal times, and and I actually we were still scared to death that our instruments would get knocked over and trampled, but there was absolutely no controlling the exuberance of the partygoers. So I just went with the flow and the revelry, and and a great time was had by all, including by us, the band. It was already a, a pretty good paying gig and uh, the buyer was additionally generous in his gratuity to the band members. I think that they understand what we've been through for the last year. As musicians who have had our life and our livelihoods literally taken from us uh, 14 months ago, it was quite gratifying to have a portion of that life back and enjoy it as we did. I got home uh, about five o'clock Sunday morning, only slightly worse for the wear, but damn, it felt good. So, I said I have questions about Governor Cooper's sudden and unexpected order to lift capacity restrictions and revoke his mask mandate, so here goes. Our governor had previously made the pronouncement that he would not loosen those restrictions until two-thirds of the state's citizens were fully vaccinated. As of Saturday, May 15th, the state's Vaccination Progress Reporting Agency updated their data to reveal that only 41% of the state had been even partially vaccinated and only 33% fully vaccinated. So my first question is, why would the governor break with his original intention when North Carolina has yet only achieved half of his stated goal before loosening those restrictions? Well, warning. I've got a little bit of a conspiracy theory ahead. Uh, Something I don't usually go into. But I just simply don't trust this man. And And I've been very vocal, publicly so, in all my criticisms of his handling of the pandemic from the very beginning. Cooper is a petty demigod. He's a leftist progressive to the core of his being. In full disclosure, my daughter and Governor Cooper's daughter, and some of you already know this, they were roommates during their first year at UNC Chapel Hill. They had also been close friends in high school. Now, even though my daughter is one of us, and by one of us I mean she's very libertarian in her mindset and in her personal politics, uh, she was even the president of the Young Americans for Liberty chapter there at UNC. Despite that, uh, she has always been a bit dismayed at my harsh public criticisms of her friend's father. Oh, well, uh, look, I never let up on Cooper, even initiating that hashtag, uh, Corona group Inferior Cooper early in his lockdowns. And, uh, was, I was very active in calling him out directly on his social media threads throughout the pandemic. So my daughter you know, always saw those and, and was a bit, uh, Taken aback by that. Anyway, my initial thought after his announcement on Friday was quite conspiratorial. I wondered if he wasn't lifting these restrictions early in hopes that there might be a surge in you know cases and hospitalizations. And this, of course, affording him the excuse for reinstitution of lockdowns and mask mandate extensions. Uh, maybe hoping for some later permanent implementation of some of his executive orders or at the very least an excuse for the possible seasonal requirements that uh, were mentioned last week by Dr. Fauci and other healthcare bureaucrats. That's about as distrusting of his motives and about as conspiratorial as I can possibly be. But knowing him as I do, my mind went there. Yet, for the first time in a year, even Cooper and his chief medical advisor held their press conference on Friday without the dog-and-pony show of you know, removing and replacing their masks back and forth on their faces each time they exchanged places at the lectern taking questions from the press. It could be no more complicated than the fact that Cooper and other progressive governors now have been embarrassed by the statistical virus-related successes of red state governors, you know, like those in Florida and Texas elsewhere, and the roaring back of those economies after leading the nation in lifting lockdown measures. There's also the fact that news of mounting inflation rates, slower than expected growth in employment rates, uh, the gas shortages and long lines here in this part of the country, a spike in violent crime and murder rates nationwide, all this making every one of us who are old enough to remember the good old Carter days of the late 70s it, it might just make political sense for Cooper and others like him, you know, kind of in the form of bread and circuses, to offer the rather convenient distraction of opening our states back up. On the other hand, and my next question, is the political future and inclinations of Governor Cooper. He is a political animal, not a public servant. And he's still young enough to make a run at the presidency after completing his current term as governor of North Carolina. He surely must have those ambitions and seize the possibility of having to be compared to someone like Governor DeSantis in Florida in such a future matchup nationally. He obviously must first get through the Democratic primaries, and I'm sure that he also wants to get ahead of the other blue state governors who have similar ambitions. The longer and more permanent lockdowns and their consequences would not look good on his resume if he chooses to enter the Democratic presidential primary fray. So that may be on his mind as well. Yesterday afternoon, I posed some of those thoughts and conjectures to my co-author of our upcoming ScamDemic book. Now, he had a different take altogether, one I'd not considered, mainly because I'm not a hockey fan. As it happens, the Carolina Hurricanes have won home ice advantage through the first two rounds of the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs. Edmund pointed out to me that Governor Cooper just might be embarrassed by those arenas in Florida and Tennessee, elsewhere, having fans fill their arenas, you know, while seeing only 25% capacity on television here in Raleigh. That said, and from what I understand, the NHL apparently still has a 50% capacity restriction of their own on league matches. But 50% on television versus 25% is a huge difference. Uh, Here in Raleigh's PNC arena, where the Canes play, that's the difference of about 7,500 to 8,000 additional tickets that could be sold, not to mention also the economics of an additional 8,000 tickets sold. It's quite an impact for a team. Edmund also wonders if uh, Tom Dundon, the majority owner of the Hurricanes, didn't contact Cooper directly and tell him to open up the damn arena in time for the club playoffs. Dundon himself being a Texas-based conservative gazillionaire. I don't think it's that simple. And I questioned whether Dundon would have that kind of stroke with Cooper. But Edmund conceded it could just be You know, an all the above of both my questions and his theory about hockey, especially since Dundon could threaten to move the Canes out of the state in three years if Cooper didn't loosen up. Anyway, as I said, I don't trust Cooper in any capacity, so we'll see where all this goes. For the sake of North Carolina's small business owners, uh, myself and Edmund included, I hope that this is a permanent move to reopen and normalize our lives and our economy. I am still waiting, though, for that first contract addendum where at one of our local music venues in which my band is scheduled to perform that we'll be required to show proof of each band member's COVID vaccination in order to do the show. You know, one of those private business and state managed cooperative type initiatives. Interestingly, after Cooper's press conference on Friday, the COVID Karens are now losing their minds on his social media accounts. Many of his most ardent supporters are screaming bloody murder, thinking Cooper is open too early. We haven't reached herd immunity yet, they exclaim. Now, these people calling for herd immunity are the same people who a year ago were arguing on social media that there was no such thing as herd immunity related to COVID-19. I'm sure you all remember those debates online. Uh, Some even believe that the mask mandate needs to be made permanent. Others are demanding a vaccine passport mandate must be in place before returning to full capacity or the removal of the indoor mask requirements. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, CNN published another of their keep the fear going type headlines. That headline actually read, For the sake of the children, keep wearing your mask. There we go again, for the children. And in this case, the children being the one group who are statistically more at risk of just about everything else they might do during a given day than they are from COVID-19. So this was an article based on a flat-out lie and one that completely ignores the, the true science and data. The fear is still great with these people, and Governor Cooper himself was a major super spreader of this pervasive fear pandemic that we're now going through. So successful was he and his administration at brainwashing the public uh, through his weekly press conferences that people needed to you know, cower in their homes, go out only for essential goods or medical attention, and wear those damn masks under every circumstance, indoors and out, that his you know fearmongering has now even circled back to bite him in the ass amongst his own base at least i can take some comfort some amusing comfort in that one of the most severe and long-term costs of these past 14 months is in fact the fear mindset that grips so many of our friends neighbors and family members we read the stories every day now of young families who are refusing grandparents the right to see their grandchildren unless they are vaccinated and, of course, vice versa. This new fear culture is set in for the long haul, I'm afraid, and there is much more advantage yet to be seen and taken by all these central planners to mine from that fear as we move out of the COVID panic to the already declared next phase of the Great Reset and scaring everyone to death with the gloom and doom of impending climate chaos. With COVID, look, there was never an existential threat. With a survival rate now measured by all major world authorities of 99.8%, this was only ever about manufactured fear because by the time we'd flattened the curve over a year ago there was already enough data and revealed science behind this virus's threat to know who was most at risk and also how to mitigate their risk without shutting the world down but bureaucrats saw the open door and took it as far as they could unfortunately my own fear is that this was nothing more than just a practice run for what's soon coming under the guise of the new Green Deal and other progressive tight wet dreams. All right, please do me a favor. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast wherever you're listening or watching. All of that interaction helps us in breaking through the remaining reach restriction algorithms and the shadow banning especially on facebook and twitter if you haven't done so already please join tpc's locals community at the pragmatic locals.com i'll say that one more time the pragmatic locals.com while it's free to subscribe to our locals community we really could use your support there especially as i'm ramping up for the next tpc road trip For as little as $5 per month, you can not only support our efforts and our new initiatives, but you can also have full participation rights within the community, including the ability to post your own content uh, and gaining access to exclusive supporter content that we don't share with anyone else, anywhere else, but to our local supporters. Also on Locals, our voices are never throttled, and you'll see everything we post. And you'll also see everything without content warnings slapped over those posts like on Facebook. Locals has also now given me the ability to offer an annual support option in which you'll get two free months if you choose to make a one-time annual support payment of only $50. That new option is even available to existing supporters as an upgrade. Just go online and uh, check that out. If you believe in what we're doing at TPC and you believe that our voice needs to be heard, please consider supporting us on Locals. If you haven't yet signed up for our road trip email list, it is separate from our locals database. Just send me your contact info in an email to me personally at steve at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. steve at thepragmaticconstitutionalist.com. I'll make sure that you know exactly when and where I'll be holding meetups in your area this year while I'm running the roads and uh, doing these TPC meetups all over the country. Thanks everyone for joining me today on this podcast and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Much, much more to come. Steve, the pragmatic constitutionalist. Take care.